Welcome to Headcanon, I'm Benjamin Light. And I'm Marcus Parks. And this week we are doing episode 22 of the show, talking about Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. <laughs> oh, what a great title. <laughs> it is a great title. Uh, what's better than Temple of Death, which is what it was originally. That, yeah. that does not roll off the tongue. Uh, Spielberg directing again, written this time by Willard Hyuk and Gloria Katz, who are seemingly like Lucasfilm house writers. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the impression I get looking at their credits, like they did Howard the Duck and Radioland Murders and American Graffiti. And uh, brought in because they had some familiarity with uh, Indian culture. <laughs> okay. To the point where they then said to Lucas, I don't think, we know a lot of Indian people, I don't think this is uh, going to go over well. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was their familiarity like? They they like curry? I, mean, I, I don't know, but... I guess Lucas famously responded with, don't worry, it's Steven and I. We can get anything made. Mm. And then India refused to let them film there. Yeah. Uh, 23rd of May, 1984. A big blockbuster. It's like the uh, third biggest movie that year. Yeah, I didn't look it up. Um, all right, well, shall we do our opening statements? Sure, sure. I'll go ahead and go first because I think okay. you normally do. Uh I think what you just said there about them getting anything made, I think that's pretty apt. I mean, this movie really feels like a a mean-spirited response to Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's like, it's like both George and Steve were pissed at each other, and this movie is like their passive-aggressive argument. Uh, there's all these things that got removed from Raiders due to their better instincts that are basically back on display here, you know, like all these things that they wanted and didn't get. But they're the best parts of this movie. Some of them are. Um... I mean, this is this is clearly like a dark time in the lives of Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Mm-hmm. Like neither of them really seems to want to take responsibility for this movie. If you read some of the interviews, mm-hmm. uh, but I I do think if you read between the lines, people are kind of pointing to George for it. Yeah, like Spielberg would just be like, "Oh, there's nothing to me in that movie at all," uh, which is which is I think patently untrue. But yeah. he he had a quote where it said like no, "no no feeling" or something that you know it's like you could wiggle with it. Yeah, but uh. Lucas was getting a divorce at the time. Spielberg seemingly hated the script and was probably just distracted flirting with Kate Capshaw the whole time he was filming this. Well, like his girlfriend had just left him mm-hmm. and then he meets Kate Capshaw. And they end up getting married, yeah. Uh, Lawrence Katzen, like, wanted nothing to do with it. So they basically have two, like, house writers do it. I mean, this movie, it's it's racially insensitive. It's way too dark and violent. Uh, there's no, like, the pacing is nowhere near what Raiders has, you know. Uh, and yet, I do think it's at least an interesting disaster. Like, it's such a weird movie. And this movie definitely only gets made because these are, like, two huge, like, blockbuster titans. They have a ton of clout. And they were, like, in really dark places at the time. Like, this movie just would not get made normally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's, like, old-fashioned musical dance sequences, and then a guy gets his heart ripped out and burned alive in lava. Yeah, the plucky psychic kid and then for some fairly explicit sexual dialogue all in the same movie. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting ideas here. And it's I think having it all take place in one locale kind of switch things up. That's pretty cool. But ultimately, this it this movie just feels like a contrarian reaction to Raiders rather than like attempt to build on it. You know, mm-hmm. it's almost like a like a let's prove ourselves by doing something totally different type of movie, you know? 
So those are my thoughts. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, so to address uh, listener Heather specifically, <laughs> the only times I think I would use the word perfect to describe any aspect of this movie is the opening. Um, there is a metric fuck ton of things to bash on in this movie. So I would I would try to stick to just the positive, even though there's like, you know, there's definitely some racism issues for reals. Um, it's a movie that's been bashed on by its own director and yet was given a four star review by Roger Ebert. <laughs> um, but this is a movie that I, I I really, really do love in some ways. And like the opening sequence of this movie is almost just as important to me as the whole of Writers of the Lost Ark. Uh, the mixture of comedy and tension and drama in that first 18 minutes is something that I feel like so many filmmakers must be like middle of the night, bite your pillow, envious of. And yet the shifting tones is really bizarre in a lot of places. Uh, just because, like you said, George Lucas wanted it to be dark. He's going through a divorce. Spielberg's trying to make it lighter and funnier in contrast while falling in love. I mean, it's a fascinating movie if you view it through the prism of filmmakers who just got their hearts literally ripped out of their chests. And they want Busby Berkeley uh, musicals. But hence, this is the movie that created the PG-13. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a movie that literally starts with, like, you're looking at some ancient artifact or so you think. It's actually a gong in a nightclub called Club Obi-Wan. And then we pan over to a singer emerging a puff of smoke from a dragon's mouth as she sashays right there through the movie's title card and sings Anything Goes in Mandarin. I mean, it's nuts. Uh, I actually had the comic book graphic novel adaptation when I was a kid. And I read that thing until it was no longer bound. It was just merely a collection of pages that I carried around with me. I I adored the like four color analysis of the opening, and it, like it reminded me almost of like that Hitchcock Truffaut book, and just like it's just like when it's Hitch going through his like cutting pattern. Um, but yeah, like I said, I I I love it. They kind of pull from different tropes and traditions. I like that it's in one space for the most part. There's a a fascinating battle of elements, alternating between fire and water constantly. I don't know. It's 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 a nuts movie for a guy who's just going to a temple in a dungeon to steal something and ends up getting brainwashed. And it just made me think parts of it. Time. Are we ever going to do the Goonies on this? Mm, I mean, it would technically not fit the rules, but, you know, I think it was meant to have a sequel. Are they maybe trying to get a sequel made for so long? They've been trying for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that's the loophole. Anyway, I I remember also kind of being super excited when the title card comes up and it says Shanghai 1935, it's it's why so did that weird. excite you? I don't know. It's just something about. Do you think it's possible that this movie in particular has so many connections to your youth that you're not entirely objective about it? One hundred percent. Okay. Um, but there's like a an occidental uh, uh, kind of idea of Shanghai, I think, especially in this kind of uh, fantasy adventure space uh also i always like that it's a prequel which just seems like the weirdest route to go why do you like that because they you don't know what happens to indy after raiders there's no not well let me ask you no this Marian. did you know when you saw it that it was a prequel when i first saw it as a kid no i didn't know a whole lot of anything when i was a kid and saw this okay and that's part of why it appealed to me i want to talk about the prequel thing but please continue no no i'm, I'm done okay yeah. Um, all right, well, let's do our top three moments. Do you have any honorable mentions? Uh, I have one. It's not a specific moment because I think it happens a few times, but just wanted to give a shout out to Indy's like demented laugh that he has. Like he does it a few times in the movie where he's just like laughing, ha 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 shit kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. or, or just like he just starts to like really get sick and twisted when he's laughing at like some horribleness. So uh, he does in uh, Raiders. 
when uh he does it in Raiders once too. Yeah. yeah, I just I feel like this is where he really just nails it completely. It's it's like this classic indie move. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, my honorable mention is actually in one of the worst scenes of the movie for me when Willie's pouring the cologne on the elephant and it like throws her off. And then, and then she's like later accosted by all the animals of the jungle, including vampire bats. And Indy shares the aside of short round. The biggest trouble of her is the noise. Um, it's fascinating to me that Cape Capshaw would marry Spielberg after this, but I like that Indy and short round both catch each other cheating at cards. And then as short round reasserts that Dr. Jones is Indy's professional name. Indy rewards him with a dime. <laughs> That's like his like pet mini me version of him. Anytime that you could have short round mimic Emmy Indy, I, I love that in this movie. I don't know why it's so dumb, but I love it. Okay. Uh, well, let's go into. Is that a, do you have any more honorable mentions? Nope, or? nope, nope. Okay. Just the one. Uh, my number three, and I feel like we're going to have some similar beats on this. Yeah. Just because of who we are. Um, I'll be surprised that this isn't on your list somewhere, but. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Nice try, Lao Shea. Uh, that moment where Indy shuts the uh, the door to the airplane and it's yeah. Laoche Freighter. Yeah, it's a classic, uh, you know, turn reversal. You think Indy's getting away? No, he's an idiot. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you can't love that. And it's 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 such a good character beat for Indiana because he's he's always failing in a way. I'm fascinated. That's your that's your number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number three is actually the awkward, weird flirting in the hallway in the palace. Oh, it's it's like Han Solo, Princess Leia fan fiction going horribly awry. Um, he's all geared up with the science angle in the flirtation, like with nocturnal activities, and then it descends into them arguing over who's more crazy about the other. I just I like the five minutes you'll be knocking on my door again in five minutes, and then we kind of cut back to them both respectively checking their hair, their teeth, their breath. Also, is it just me? Or is this more sexual than you would normally get in a movie like this? Uh, no, it's it's absolutely. And I think, like I said, you have to think about like where the hell is like, mm-hmm. George Lucas's Twisted Heart of Darkness? I mean, because this isn't. It's not really a romance. It's it's like who can like you know fuck each other's brains out better. Basically, is the, the conversation they're having. My like, head it, it's purely lust here. Yeah, my head can't, and they hate each other too. Mm-hmm. They can't respect. They don't respect each other at all. My headcanon is that George Lucas wanted to get out of the country for a while and go on a sex vacation. And he was really into Chinese and Indian women or something. Interesting. <laughs> and Spielberg's like, okay, <laughs> can we make a movie while we're at it? Uh, what's your number two? Uh, the You mentioned it, the poker game uh, with between uh, Indian short round. I, it's A lot of it's improvised. I really like short round. Uh, I think that's just a really funny scene. It's almost ruined by Willie's antics in the background, but mm. Harrison Ford and short round are so good together. Uh, the way they play off each other, the way they like each catch each other cheating and whatnot. Uh, and like the look short round gets when he gets caught cheating is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's like a perfect busted look. Uh, he's a great actor. Uh, yeah. went on to be a stunt coordinator actually. Interesting. Um, but yeah, just a uh, super enjoyable scene. Other than the fact that like Willie's running around the background constantly shrieking. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun fact: Kate Hapshaw had to be taught how to scream. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who taught her? I'm gonna assume Spielberg. <laughs> Look at me. Yeah. Um, my number two is just the whole of the minecart chase. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a reason they made a fucking ride out of it. 
it is proof of concept for a like a ride. Yeah. And it's it's just surreal as fuck. Like yeah. at this point you're just like <laughs> waiting for this movie to end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's my number one. Um Interesting. The the whole sequence, it's it's super fun. It is literally a roller coaster. Uh the just the great bit at the end where uh, he has to stop it with his own foot and then he's screaming for water and then the water comes rushing at them. You know, it's it's so perfectly Spielberg. Uh, my number one is again just the opening that first 18 minutes it's like it's like mm-hmm. cracking up in a swiss watch of an action adventure comedy i mean it's not just the uh nice try laoche i mean it's when he brings over his friend um or just when the both willie and indy are having to like crawl on the floor looking for the antidote and the diamond mm-hmm. and then someone spills like the ice right as she's about to get the diamond to right up to indy like cutting the rope on the gong and using that as cover i just fucking love it um it's it, you really feel like that the like Spielberg got his like James Bond wish for one movie. This was definitely a James Bond opening, yeah. yeah. Although it seems like the bullets are going right through that gong. Uh, yeah. I guess they're still protected somehow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I just know from you know knowing you that uh, you're obsessed with the opening of this movie, so that's not a surprise to me. Really, yeah. What did you think of the the dance sequence part where they they actually go into like this weird fantasy land inside the dragon's mouth for like this extended dance sequence? I I've always find it interesting just because like you said it is a fantasy sequence. It's not remotely spatially possible in that nightclub. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it just seems to fit in the the askewness of this movie, especially in in her world. I think. I mean, I like. I do really like Willie Scott. I think she's uh, a character that is hard to look at maybe but from a modern perspective for sure, but she is so fully armored up in her own world. Like she's completely immune to so much of the things around her. Um, she, I mean, it's, it's a bad bit of representation, but she's almost like if the Roadrunner, if the Roadrunner ran off that cliff and didn't look down, you know? Hmm. Uh, and then she gets hooked up with uh, Indy in the in short round. All right, well, uh, any complaints? Yeah, I mean, in general, it's it's a weird movie. And I think I think the same way that uh this is like a a dark counter to Raiders, I think Last Crusade is a, a much brighter antidote to this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, one one of my complaints, I'll be honest, is Willie Scott. Um it's like they're like, how can we be as different as possible from Marion Ravenwood? And it's like, I, I guess you achieved it. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I just, uh, Willie in this movie, it's, it's, it's not a, a fair to like an actor or a character. I mean, she's just like running around shrieking and, and intentionally being annoying constantly because they wanted to like not do Marion again. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's just not a good look. I mean, I guess I should say I, I like Kate Capshaw, uh, yeah, I, she's... I mean, they have her like she's like a gold digger, like where it's like she suddenly hears that a guy's rich and she's like, ooh, you know, like is yeah. he single? Like, uh, it's just. Yeah, she's just been stabbed with a fork. It'll be OK mm-hmm. if she can get a diamond. Um, yeah, it's it's not great. Um, but then this is also a movie that doesn't even feature Indiana Jones half the time. I mean, when he's he's lit- I don't want to see Indiana Jones get brainwashed. That's pretty brief, though. In a movie. Yeah. Um. Um, 
obviously a big one is just the offensive racial stereotypes. Yeah. And no no real representation for Indians in the story. It's like it's not it's not like there's a, a main character who's an Indian who's like with them to kind of like offer a different perspective or anything. No. You know, um, especially the to me what really stands out is the dinner scene where it's just like the whole scene is like, ooh, look how gross this other culture's food is like for like 20 minutes. It seems like it goes on uh, while, while talking about how hideous their past is. Yeah. And it's it's yeah, it's it's not I mean, I you can see what they're trying to do there with like, let's just let's gross people out. Mm. But it's like definitely at the expense of the, the local culture there, you know. Yeah. Of a whole culture of a people. Yeah. And it's it's like there's an earlier scene where Indy is giving Willie shit for not eating the food they offer her and he's just like, You need to be respectful. Like that to me works, whereas this scene, you know, and the dinner scene is just like how much can we gross you out type of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Well and then later the magnanimousness of the white man to not seek hope and or a future like fame and glory this time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. Um I mean, in general, I feel like this movie, it's it's both too violent and too immature in parts. Yeah. Uh, it's insanely dark. Like, I think that gets thrown around a lot. But, like, this movie, literally, somebody gets their heart ripped out and, like, still lives and, like, watches it beating somebody else's hand. And then and then at the same time, you have, like, a plucky little sidekick kid and kind of, like, goofy little jokes. I'm, like, looking at my notes and the bit when they've fallen into the car and Indy's, like, digging in her dress for the annex. <laughs> Anecdote, antidote. And short round says, No time for love, Dr. Jones. Yeah, and she's like, Oh, I'm not that kind of girl. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it's like every once in a while a cute little kid can't save your movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this might be the greatest Dan Aykroyd role ever, too. Oh yeah, that's right. He's in this. There might be a slight inconvenience as you'll be riding of a cargo full of live poultry. Mm-hmm. Uh and then just my last major issue with the movies, I feel like the plot just takes too long to crank up. Um, it's it's like Raiders is so so tight and straightforward. You know, it's like here's what we need you to do: go get this headpiece, find the find the lost ark. Whereas here, it's like, well, we're missing a stone, and oh yeah, also we're missing some children. So could you go up there? Maybe, maybe you're going for for money, or maybe you're not. Like it's just very like wishy washy. You know, and like, then it takes a while to like establish, like, oh yeah, here's why this place might be dangerous to go to because of this thuggy cult and whatnot. I think this is this is like the truest they've ever gone to their source material, where the serials, mm-hmm. you know, would be ten minutes long, would always end on some kind of weird cliffhanger that would bounce you off in a different direction. Well, I mean, you could probably you could probably cut this movie into like ten ten minute things, and and it would it would read like that. Speaking of the serials, I feel like that is where a lot of the like racially offensive stuff comes in, just because oh, yeah. the those original serials were done in the you know nineteen twenties and thirties, not exactly culturally enlightened. Like if you ever go back and like look at some of the old like shadow radio shows and whatnot, like it's super racist, and that's like the source material that they're working from with indie movies. And I I think they probably just thought they could get away with it because it's like. Oh, this is like a a cleaned up version of like old source material, but it definitely, I mean, even at the time, it's not like like just now people are like, hey, this movie's kind of racist. Like even at the time, it was like super offensive to people. It's not a good thing when the hero of your adventure is xenophobia. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's talk. I want to talk about the PG rating. This is 
movie basically invented the PG-13 rating. It did, was not rated that itself. It got a PG, probably only because of Spielberg. It was like this and Gremlins, right? Yeah, although I'd have to think this would be the big one. I mean, a dude gets his fucking heart ripped out. Mm-hmm. And then watches it as it like lights on fire and he's like burned alive. Let me like, just say that that effect is cheesy. The only thing that really helps it is the heartbeat sound effect, I think. I guess. I don't know. To me, it's like this... That scene all is just like scared the shit out of me as a kid. So yeah, yeah, that's just one of the way that... he kind of just like worms his hand inside there. Yeah, and I would see it. It would always like that scene would always come on TV or something late at night too, mm-hmm. <laughs> when I'm already one half like in the dream world. <sighs> I mean, so yeah. What's your thoughts on the PG-13 rating? Well, it's funny because that's like the PG-13 rating is like the scourge of modern films now. It's like everything gets rated that, and you can't. You can't get a rated R movie now because of like uh, you know, box office reasons, basically. Mm. Uh, and this movie's what created it all. I mean, I could I could easily see an argument for this being an R rated movie, mm-hmm. which is weird because it's obviously made for children. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a plucky sidekick there, definitely for the kids. Um, I wonder. Well, I was gonna say I wonder what a purely R movie version of this would be like, but I don't. Don't For whatever reason that that's not that's not really how they operate. Like they're they want kids to watch these movies. It's not like they like couldn't do what they wanted to do kind of thing. Like this is what they wanted to do. It also seems like from a modern sense, like kind of a fuck you to merchandising. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I don't I know I read somewhere that there was a toy line to this movie, but it seems really weird to me. Like really dark. Yeah. Um Oh, this whole movie feels like a fuck you. Yeah. I mean like yeah, I got my Mola Ram action figure. <laughs> Can you get an action up, figure of the guy who gets his heart ripped it out? Like, it comes up a heart. Yeah. Oh, I got my uh, brainwashed indie action figure. It comes up a cup of blood. Oh. It's just... Uh, <laughs> it, like, this is just the darkest of night, and then I think about like the, the sun rising of Last Crusade, I think. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, there's a little bit of opportunity for self-analysis or, like, like making fun of itself with just the police line. Like, what are you supposed to be, a lion tamer? Um, yeah, there is. I feel like they're kind of making fun of Indy a little bit more in this movie. Mm-hmm. With, like, his... He attempts to be James Bond in the opening, but then everything goes wrong, basically. Right, right. Drinks like the it, poison. It's a nice way to show you that he's not James Bond. Mm-hmm. Like, this is all the ways he stands out. Um... Plus, I kind of like Willie. Yeah, she's she's a bad representation of just like the the shrieking woman who gets dragged along, but she's kind of a nice counterpart to the sometimes like really slutty Bond girls. I uh, guess. I mean, I I like that. I mean, is she really though? In some ways, I feel like the. Uh, I mean, the she flirtation... still gets put in a ridiculous outfit, and she's still like. Yeah. Most of her plot involved like wanting food and to sleep with Indy. But I like that. She wants to have the power in that that relationship. He's going to be her palace slave. She's not going to be his scientific study. Mm. How convenient. <laughs> uh, I love the sinister laugh of the pilots as they're sneaking over. I do like that one device. pilot. Yeah, <laughs> That guy didn't make my rankings, but he almost did. I like that guy. But like, they're still parachuting after the, like, the wild snowy. Wind. Yeah, I know. Like, where the fuck are they going? But at least they have parachutes. Mm-hmm. 
so I guess Spielberg wanted to bring back Marion Ravenwood, and yeah. Lucas didn't, which is why we got like anti-Marion. Um, but Spielberg wanted to put in Abner Ravenwood too, didn't he? I think it was brought up, yeah. Uh, I would have been totally fine with more Marion and like the adventures of Indian Marion. I would not have complained. I think this is where they're like, their desire to have like their own Bond series is like conflicting maybe with the story, you know? Mm. I, yeah, I think if you just took a responsible screenwriter and told them Marion's in this movie, that fixes a lot of problems with this movie. Um, just because a lot of this bullshit, I would think, would not be allowed to happen. Yeah, or, you know, what if what if instead of having just, like, the bland love interest, the woman in the movie is, say, like, a local Indian woman yeah. who's there to offer some perspective, and it's not a romance thing. It's like she needs Indy to help her, like, rescue her children or something. Mm-hmm. Something, you know. Well, they don't, even, they don't even take the opportunity to give the prime minister guy who would be i think your your opportunity they don't even give him his one up it's like he yeah. seemingly is like died in the wool true thuggy believer um so uh, what, i want to talk a little bit about the the prequel status of this movie okay because uh occasionally i'll get in arguments with people about uh whether or not a good prequel like a truly good prequel movie exists and like this movie gets brought up I would not hold this up as an example of that. Well, because I, I kind of think, even though I I do admire that they chose to make this a prequel, it seems a little outlandish that this happened before Raiders of Lost Ark. If you didn't know this movie was a prequel, you would never guess. No, no. Other than like a title card telling you the year, there's nothing at all to suggest that this takes place earlier in the timeline. It's not like uh, he says, "I have to drop you off in Delhi." My buddy Jock and I are going on a on a trip. Or yeah, something. yeah. It's not like he meets up with Brody at the end, and he's just like, "Hey, I found something for you in South Africa, South America." Um, well, the fact that he's magnanimously letting the village keep their stone <laughs> rather than ah, they're just going to put it in a museum anyway. Mm-hmm. And a year later, he is all about the fucking museum. Well, I guess the the reason given, at least one of the reasons I saw, was that they didn't want the Nazis to be villains again. Mm-hmm. Which I don't, I don't think. Like, if you set this movie in 1937, I don't think people would be like, "Where are the Nazis?" You know, like it all takes place in India. Right. Right. Um, it is. It's weird. I mean, I guess this is one of the first examples of a prequel, really. Although it's such a. It's like a technically a prequel, but there's it's not the the way we would think of a prequel now where it's like, oh, this movie's going to explain or delve into details that, you know, we only got the surface of in, a, in the first movie type of thing. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's seemingly just to not have the Nazis and not to have Marion. Yeah, because I don't think you would buy if this was in 37. Like, I think you would be kind of like, well, where the fuck is Marion? Like, I mean, if you're going to do, like, the James Bond thing, though, I think people would go with it without too much trouble, like a brief line about how it didn't work out or something. I mean, you know. I don't know, maybe. I mean, how, like, where does Short Round go after this movie? Is he just like, you belong in an orphanage, kid. <laughs> Fuck off. It, it's it's kind of a sad disservice to that kid mm-hmm. just because of that. Like, what happens to him? Did he not make it on one of the adventures? I mean, like, 
you can imagine if Crystal Skull, he was just like like looking at falling at a photo of short round. He's just like, yeah, that kid died. <laughs> that kid died horribly. It turns out he shouldn't let a six year old drive a car. I should not be anywhere near children. <laughs> I should definitely not hand another child a gun. <laughs> that was a mistake. Live mm-hmm. and learn. I mean, I learned and lived. He didn't. Uh, I do love the uh, the bit with the raft. I mean, it's so absurd, but it's like this is like in the eighties. Like this is like this sort of movie logic just worked. You know, especially if you're a kid, you're like, yeah, you could totally jump out of a plane in a raft and survive. See, and that I had that in my notes. It's like it only has to make sense in a movie logic way, and it mm-hmm. does. Um, and I love that that happens, and we're not even twenty minutes into the movie yet. Um, well, I should probably say too, this was the movie. I mean, I definitely was not allowed to watch this as a kid. Um, so this was a movie that I was probably oldest when I saw the whole thing for the first time. Okay, I could probably seen bits and pieces of it. Definitely, Last Crusade's the one that I remember watching like beginning to end the most, and like you know first. Last Crusade is the one I remember going to the video store, renting, <laughs> and like watching. Like, like yeah. the the day you could rent it at the video store. Mm-hmm. Back, back when you could get VHS tapes for rental at your supermarket. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Go to the local Bel Air. Yeah. And then and then I would get it like every couple weeks for a while. I love how they like land in the peaks of a mountain on that raft and somehow they're like all the way down in like a, a calm river. Mm-hmm. Do you know that the guy who plays the shaman did not speak English? Yes, uh, Spielberg had to feed him his lines like, phonetically, screen, which is why there's the pauses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I didn't know that until I like did research on it. So I guess he does an okay job. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, you know what? That guy is all look. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it sounds like or what his, what his, his linguistic abilities are. He's all look. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> Um. Yeah, we talked. To, I talked a little about the plot. How it just it takes a while to crank up. Yeah, it's like there's some stones we need. Oh, by the way, we lost all our children. It's like maybe you should have led with that. Yeah. You might have noticed how quiet our village is. We don't have any children here. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's this little collie, tuggy colt. Mm-hmm. He gets like the the scrap of paper. Showing Shiva, but that doesn't really go anywhere. No, like it I doesn't. Think, it doesn't mean much to the audience to be like, "Oh, now he has to do it." Well, I would think also that Shiva's probably on a lot of scraps of paper mm-hmm. in this part of the world. Um, it's nice though that after their long arduous journey through the jungle, our heroes do find that matte painting of a palace waiting for them. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, and I guess is uh, is Willie wearing Indies? white tux. coat through most of this yeah she puts on like his like tux yeah it's it's a look it's something it's it's a look and i mean thank god that she was able to get out of the dress of course apparently the uh dress was eaten by an elephant mm-hmm. on the set yeah well she and then she gets another like fancy dress and then for a while she's just in like her like night bathrobe at night or something you know yeah well and then you know like you said it would be nice if you had the Indian character who wasn't evil or what mm-hmm. have you, especially when you you do dress up Willie like Indian princess as Willie as Indy calls her. Yeah, and then she's like gonna like seduce the the Maharaja. Also, I really hated the the voices of all the kids other than Short Round, like the what sounds like really badly dubbed voices. You mean like the Maharaja? The Maharaja, and like there's a kid later on who like 
There was a thing I noticed even like episodes of MacGyver where it was like like foreign children they would dub with like a a really soft spoken woman's voice. Oh, the Maharaja's just like, oh, I thought it was terrible what happened. Yeah, that voice. That is your best impression ever. <laughs> I mean, for a minute there, I thought the Maharaja was our guest. <laughs> let me let you in on a little secret. I fucking hate the Maharaja. He's my least favorite character in this movie. I hate him so much. He's terrible. Oh, he's such a little bitch. Yeah. Yeah. I want to show him to push him off that little like ledge. Mm-hmm. I really did. Like, you're not even worth scaring straight with fire. This also features voodoo dolls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like not once. <laughs> voodoo dolls. Mm-hmm. <sighs> just throwing that in there. Um, I, I do just, wonder, this shot with all the bats, like, how do they do that? It's, uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, because those are real bats, you know? This isn't, like, now we just be like, oh, it's CGI. Mm-hmm. But, like, you're watching it here and you're like, wow, I guess they just, like, had to get a shot with a lot of bats in it. Like, yeah. during having them act at the same time, you know? Well, I just, I like, to almost our Western sensibilities, there's a minor bit of cachet when he's just like, vampire bats. You know, like, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Even though they're just bats. Yeah. I do like the dude's line that, uh, I should say you look rather lost, but I can't imagine where the where in the world the three of you would look at home. <laughs> that might be my favorite line in the movie. Mm-hmm. After a nice try, Lashay. <laughs> Well, you never get a sense, like, what what is this palace exactly? Like, what are you the prime minister of? There's a village, there's this palace, which seems to be staffed at least half by white dudes. Yeah. (laughs) They're just, like, wearing turbans. The British are showing up, there's, like, a, you know, more than a whiff of colonialism. Mm -hmm. Oh, that is colonialism. Yeah, but, I mean, where is the fucking money coming from? Well, and who... Who's keeping you rich in monkey brains? Who's ruling who, you know, is there some, like, is the village, are they, like, a serfdom for this palace? Yeah, nothing really makes sense, like, you know, geopolitically here. I mean, I get that, okay, so it's a casual Friday night, you guys are going to serve an episode of Fear Factor for Mm -hmm. dinner, who pays for that? Yeah. Also, I really want to hear more about the newspapers in Honduras who accused India of being a grave robber, (laughs) or the sultan who wanted to chop off his dick. Why do they give Willie all these jewels to wear? Why aren't they just like, well, uh, I guess we got some, like, some serving outfits that might fit you. They're like, oh, no, we have, like, a, a totally awesome, like, bejeweled tailored dress for you. Which is, to us, rags. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and then the dinner with all the... I think the, the snake thing is probably still the grossest. I mean, the, you know, they had the eyeball soup and the, the monkey brains and whatnot, but... The, the snakes is just yeah, the wriggling. Yeah. I can't imagine like nobody nobody would eat that, right? Like that can't be a real dish. It's a it's a posh dinner, and yet you're like chasing your fucking meal around mm-hmm. with a fork on the table. <laughs> the one dude I love it, the one dude is just like he's got it dangling over his mouth, like lowering it in there. Like That's oh. not how you eat food. <laughs> this is the most gluttonous fucking thing I've ever mm-hmm. eaten. Mm. And then just the the way you imagine one of those snakes like wriggling around in your stomach because he didn't chew it. Is there a possibility that that can make the entire journey without being fully digested? (laughs) I mean, it's like it's like eating something out of orphan black, but like the way that the eyeballs perfectly just like bob up (laughs) 
mm-hmm. after it's been served. Oh, that took a lot of takes, apparently. I bet it did. I bet it did in the kitchen. Oh, why Why do they have, like, a perfect tweed suit for Indy? Yeah. It, well, he, did he have and that glasses. In bag? I like that he calls out for his razor, as if the kid knows where his fucking razor <laughs> is. And then presumably they can't find it, so he doesn't shave. Mm-hmm. Well, he has glasses. Where did he get the glasses? I'm going to assume he just had them with him? In his pocket the whole time? I mean, are they are they like no prescription glasses that he just wears to look like erudite? Yeah, early hipster Indiana and, Jones and his like bow tie and the fucking Maharaja. <laughs> I think the stories are horrible. I would never let such a thing happen. Can you do like PLL dialogue in that voice? Uh, I can't think of any dialogue right now. Mm. I found the gum. I always liked uh, during the like flirtation power play when the uh, you know painting seems to come alive to attack Indy. Oh yeah, that's a cool shot. Um, it just chokes I mean, him on the, the world's most powerful ceiling fan. To me, that's like that's where some of the Spielberg stuff comes in because I read somewhere where he's basically talking about how like, he had all these like dark action sequences, and for him, the trick was to make them comedic. Mm-hmm. And so it's like she's in the hallway yelling like, "This is the night I slipped through your fingers," and he's like on the ground like reaching. For her, I, I I love that. Uh, apparently, he fucked up his back. Something good. Yeah, yeah. As, as he gets thrown over there, um, they had to do a lot with his stunt double. Um, all the bugs, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm not an especially squeamish type, but like, fuck that. Like the huge ones that just ew. I think my my number five, my my honorable mention would be the double take short round does at the hat when he <laughs> wakes up. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, the bugs. It's like, we get it. There's a lot of fucking bugs. And snakes. Well, it's like, not only are there a bunch of bugs, but you have to reach into this hole that's, like, completely covered in these, like, awful-looking, giant, like, mutant bugs. Well, yeah, to to basically find your way into the, the trash compactor scene of the Death Star. Mm-hmm. But with spikes. You do get the, uh, the classic reach-back-for-the-hat moment. Yeah. And they're just like in crazy catacombs for this completely insane ritual where they rip a dude's heart out. I wanted to delete a scene where like Mola Ram like rehearses his stage show with his crew. I like how they just all kind of like leave afterwards. They're like, all right, I guess that was it. No encore. You know, I just wanted to like, all right, Barry, like, uh, no, no, you're, you're, you're five seconds too soon. Well, like, are they hard out? Then you come out with the uh, spear and the idol. Yeah. Are they accomplishing something with the sacrifice? It's unclear. Like, they do it, and then they have the dudes bring out the stones with the, the like, weird, like, skull makeup on and whatnot, like those dudes. Mm-hmm. And they're like, all right, here are the stones. We're going to put them in here. And then everyone's just like, all right, let's, let's go. Let's go eat some food. Show's over. Let's go drink some more blood. Mm-hmm. Where does the blood come from? Yeah. Well, what makes it brainwashy yeah like you maybe you think like after he did the sacrifice like if the heart didn't catch on fire they'd like drain the blood from it or something and that would be their their magic juice but i mean it's like mola ram just like cooking this stuff up in his kitchen like doing potions and shit why is there a flowing lava in this place yeah yeah Uh, i mean i i love the lava but it's such a that's such a like a pulpy cereal type of thing to put in there you know well, the thing about lava is it's really hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just flowing. Like, it hasn't, yeah. like, come to rest or anything. Like, the 
the flow of oxygen mm-hmm. would be stifled. <laughs> You're already underground too. I mean, I gotta say, it's a hell of a set. Yeah, like the they there's this set and the set for uh the big fight before the minecart sequence. Mm-hmm. They're massive sets, and you can tell some of this movie is just like they're like, all right, Spielberg, here's a set, like do your thing. The uh, the like transformation scene really stands on how good of an actor Harrison Ford is and how they edit it, mm-hmm. like the hand movements and stuff. Because otherwise, that would be the worst. Um, and the worst would be right after that when he's already transformed and they're about to sacrifice Willie. <laughs> like it's 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 gorgeously lit, but my God, I don't want to see Harrison Ford acting like a brainwashed robot. Yeah, not fun. Also, we haven't even mentioned the like the child slave workers yet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this movie. I mean... They're all just, like, pounding away with hammers. <laughs> I guess they're, look- they're looking for the stones, right? The and stones. and the stones and, like, gems to, like, fund these guys and their, their whatever. I mean, he's just, like... Molaram, he has, like, his villain speech where he's just, like, first we shall, like, take out the Hebrew god and then on to Christianity. Like, mm-hmm. I guess just through the blood, like, they just, like, slowly force more and more people to drink the blood and do their bidding. I'm just all about the the writers of the 100 just plan season three based on this movie. Um, but what is the what is the cult economy like? Like where are the gems flowing to? Just the British? Uh, yeah, I guess you know just conflict minerals and whatnot. Hmm. I mean, I, I feel like if your world domination plan involves forcing people to drink blood, I don't think that scales. Just personally. Hmm. I don't know, maybe the Sacred Stones help them out if they get them all. But, so the loss of the one stone causes the village to basically dry up, like the, the river turns to sand. Yeah. Or do we ever really get a sense of, like, what the seven st- or the five stones together is going to do? No, that that's the other thing, is that, like, you're like, maybe it does something, maybe it doesn't. They never find them in the movie. It's It's kind of just left there hanging, you know? It doesn't seem like a fully developed plot thread. Well, how does that fit with their like skull thing that they have going on for the three as it is? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, where do they put them? <laughs> They're gonna need a whole new uh, piece, like designed. <laughs> <laughs> I like how when Indy's like uh, brainwashed, he's wearing like this like weird like like sash of red cloth, like this yeah. tiny. Like, what is the point of that exactly? Yeah, yeah. Well, I like that after he's he's back to being himself. He's just like, all right, where's my shirt? <laughs> You've had enough beefcake. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, the minecart chase sequence, that's just like a proof of concept for a ride. Uh, and it became a ride, yeah. Yeah. Although I don't think even the ride is as much fun as just watching the scene. True. Uh, the sequence with the two minecarts are side by side and like short rounds being pulled back and forth between <laughs> the two. Like, to me, it's like you can see how the same filmmakers would do that fucking thing in Crystal Skull. Yeah, yeah. Um, this movie did remind me of Crystal Skull in some ways. Yeah, makes me really wonder when they do like Indy Five, where will that fall? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, like in uh, when they're in the raft, like they they you know fall out of the plane, they're sliding down, you know, the mountain. It's all scary, and then they go off a cliff and fall again. You know, kind of similar thing to Crystal Skull with like repeated motif. Well, it's always interesting because, I mean, you hear about it with, like, Star Trek, where I think in Star Trek, it's like there's the odd-numbered curse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder, like, is there, like, an even-numbered curse? curse? Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's what Indy's trying to uh, 
defeat mm-hmm. the next one. So I guess they kill the like uh I don't even know what this dude is, like the the local government official. He like gets crushed by the uh Oh Shadow Law? Yeah, the the wheel thing. I, mean, I guess he's dead there, I don't know. Well, I mean he's he becomes like a stain. You see his head <laughs> you don't see it, but you see the Do you? You see the blood. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Hmm. Yeah. I like the uh, yeah. I like the reference to the to the moment Raiders though when he encounters the two swordsmen, reaches the gun only to remind it's not there. Yeah, even though like he should know he doesn't have the gun. He's been fist fighting for the last like half hour. Yeah, yeah. You have some pretty sore knuckles, Indy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I like the part where the children like kill their captors, right? like, <laughs> crushing them with rocks and mobbing them. <laughs> it's a kids movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they they let all the kids go, and they're like. No, we're going to go a different way. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, seriously, they kind of go the sensible way. And the kids are like, they're running out of the palace, and they're just like, fuck this place. They, like, run up on the table and, like, kick everything over. See, I, I really like that. It makes Indy look stupid for not going that way himself. I guess he has to get the stones to stop Mola Ram. Mm-hmm. Whatevs. But, uh, yeah, I'm kind of surprised we didn't hear stories about, like, children seeing this in the theaters, oof, <laughs> then going home and, like, murdering their parents. <laughs> What did you think of the bit where Indy's fighting the one, like, main tough guy, and then the guy's, like, uh, his sash or whatever gets caught in the, the rock grinder? Does it seem like Indy actually is trying to help him for a moment? or is A little bit? I don't know if that was intentional or not, but for a second, it was like, Indy was like, oh, shit, like, bro, we're punching each other. I didn't mean to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> That's just not sportsmanlike. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, the bridge. The rope bridge. I do love that whole sequence. Uh, the score is great there. Yeah. I mean, that's just like, that's just a nuts move. Like, I'm just going to cut the fucking bridge. Fuck all of you. I mean, if I did have one complaint, it's that when he actually cuts the bridge, like, they needed like a sharper sword or something. Like, it just, it, it looked like he just whacked it. Yeah. And like, nothing happened for a second, you know? Did you, did you read about the stuff that they were filming that? Uh, where they like hired some like engineers to make it for them, basically. Oh, it's like a real bridge. Yeah, like it's a real bridge that exists. Like it's hundred feet up. It literally is a hundred feet up or whatever. And uh, Spielberg, like famously afraid of heights, refused mm-hmm. to to go on it. So like, like he would actually have to be driven like miles around. Well, yeah, I mean this was before side. the days of CGI. They just went and built a fucking rope bridge. And like meanwhile, like Harrison Ford would like run full speed back and forth on it <laughs> just to show that he could. <laughs> like at what point is Molaram just like? Fuck my whole operation. Like, guys, like, tip over this giant basin of water and we'll just, like, flood the entire mine shaft. Yeah, like, is it just to flush out these three people? These two I, and a half people? What does he think's going to happen yeah. exactly? Like, I mean, seriously, your whole mining operation is fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, but Molaram, like, he's he has his one little evil speech. Like, here's my master plan, which is. You know, not that ambitious, really. Um, it's world it's like, domination, I mean. But it's like, true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it's what kind little, of ambition you're looking for. It's a little ambitious. But it's like, he's basically like a Marvel villain. A Marvel cinematic villain. Because he has no backstory. Like, who the fuck is this guy? He's just a cult guy. Yeah, he's just some guy. He does have some really great lines at the end, though. Like, the stones will be found. You won't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it reminded me a little bit of, like, Renee's whole thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, a year later, a year earlier. Um, I liked him. 
elbowing his own guys out of the way. Yeah, that's a classic villain move there. It's like throwing his own guy at Indy. <laughs> Just to let you know, he's a, he's a true villain. And then he gets the Wilhelm scream when he dies. I feel like they could have done... Like, CGI, if I were to include CGI, I would have done something great, whereas they're falling down. Like, have, like, a, a an alligator actually, like, jump up and, like, grab one of them in the jaws. Well, you know, for 1984, this is a pretty good kill scene. This is, like, a satisfying death moment, you know, like, in your, oh, yeah, when your fall- 80s action movie sense, where, like, the, the, the main bad guy always had to die in a particularly gruesome way. Because I remember there was, like, around this time, there was some Burt Reynolds movie, which... You had like a practical effect of a dude falling off like a, a hotel mm-hmm. or something, and they actually had a stuntman do it. But yeah, this looks pretty good. But it's the same movie that did the minecart chase. Yeah, which is a great blend of like the real and like like puppetry and shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of amazing that you don't have like so much CGI or what have you in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, technically speaking, it's it's very impressive. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. It's you kind of get the feeling that like maybe they were so focused on that sort of thing that like I don't know, like the script just got away from them or something, or like nobody was like, no, you can't shoot that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the the writers here they're they're just like Lucas's people. Like I, it seems like nobody really wants to take credit though. Mm-hmm. You know, like in the interviews I read, where they're just all like, yeah, we were all in dark places at the time. Lawrence Kasdan wouldn't do it. Lawrence Kasdan called this movie ugly. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. That's a big. That's a big deal. I think. <laughs> Dramatically speaking, like in the way it's written, I don't think it's unfair. No, it's it's deadly true. Mm-hmm. I'm just amazed that someone like Roger Ebert gave us like a four star review. I mean, I some of it. I mean, it, the pure spectacle. I mean, it, it ends on a high note. I think you can definitely say that. A lot of the more awful and offensive stuff is early in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um. It, you know, at the end, it's just like crazy minecart sequence and this cool bridge sequence. Like it's it's fun. So I think it, it, it at least ends on a high note, mm-hmm. where maybe you've forgotten by then all of Willie's screaming and like the, the stupid dinner scene and that kind of stuff. Oh, and you were wild probably by the opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a movie that earned at least one of those stars because it was over. <laughs> <laughs> They're like shooting the indie with their bows and arrows, and not, it's, not hitting him. Yeah, it's completely like it. Even if they did hit him, it doesn't look like they do anything. You know, I would have done something where like one of them like lands in his thigh or something. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would definitely happen in a modern version of this. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and give it the R when Indy's just like fuck. <laughs> oh, and like Indy somehow like knows like the the uh, incantation to make the stones heat up. Yeah. And so they start heating up and yeah, two of them go into the water, but one, I mean, you'd think they could probably go dredge the river and get those other two. If they even went in the water and not just like landed on the rocks down below. Do you need all three for it to be like a big find for the museum? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and like the actual like local, like, like Indian regiment shows up at the end. Yeah. But I mean, I would think as an archaeologist, which, you know, it's sometimes easy to forget that that's what he is. Mm-hmm. He could get the funding. He could secure the funding to do the, the dredging of the river. And he could be like, trust me. Like, <laughs> this is a thing that exists. It's here. Here's where I got whipped <laughs> by the dudes who previously owned it. Uh, oh, what was this regiment doing the whole time? 
Like, were they just like in a garrison, like a hundred miles away? And it's like, oh, I've been hearing a lot of weird rumors about that palace. But we uh, were <laughs> we were busy keeping the rest of the Indian people down. Yeah. <laughs> well, because they they make it sound like the palace just recently started operating again. Yeah. I mean, I don't know a lot about like the local politics, but like the Maharaja is like kind of a big deal, right? Yeah. Is it? I didn't think it was like a regional thing. Yeah. It is. I don't know. But yeah, they go back to the village, and suddenly everything's green again, even though it's been like a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't really get a sense of how long. I mean, it was a night, and then maybe the next morning was the original trip. To to oh, the you could maybe say it's been like a week. All the kids are back. Suddenly, everybody's wearing like, uh, like brightly colored, you know, clothing, mm-hmm. just to make everything super happy. Yeah, the lushness has returned to Naboo mm-hmm. there. And Indy has his, uh, "I'm going to whip you and hold on to you so you can't get away from me." Move, reel you in like something I've caught. And then she's like, "Okay." And then, of course, an elephant splashes them. Yeah, very funny. All right, so uh, shall we do make one change? Ah. Uh... I don't have anything. I mean, I have a lot of things. So, what's yours? Well, you got to pick one. I would, uh, I would do another pass of the script. I would maybe hmm. reconsider some things on a writing level. I guess. You know what I would do? What'd you do? I would kill the Maharaja. I would have short run take that dude out. Okay, like with his hands, like back, like strangle him, or like throw him off a cliff, or like feed him to the rock crusher. I don't know. I just hate that guy. It's stupid smug little face. <laughs> the way he like like short round like tries to be nice at him at the dinner and he like fake yawns and like ignores him. Oh, I hate oh, that yeah. guy so much. He's a real shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I would do. I'd have short round take care of that guy. I'm like, I'm kind of surprised they didn't focus more attention on like adding short round to like their child slave army. I mean, he's there, but yeah, I mean, they just like chain him up and give him a hammer, basically. <laughs> here's your, here's your issued hammer. Mm-hmm. Get pounded on anything. We don't care. This is not a a well planned out mining operation. Yeah, really. Uh, all right, shall, shall we do power rankings? Yeah. What's your number ten? The uh, <laughs> the darkness that lies within George Lucas. Okay. <laughs> it's a lot of darkness, I think. I I just I feel like this is if there's ever a time where a guy spent a period of his life waking up and putting a gun in his mouth, mm-hmm. it's here. Like uh like I feel like George Lucas got to like Coppola and Apocalypse Now levels of darkness. Yeah, I kinda see that. <laughs> uh my number ten, as mentioned, is the fucking Maharaja. God, I hate that kid. He doesn't even make my list. Well he kinda I only put him on my list just so I could hate on him again. Okay. That's fair. Uh, my number nine is actually just, like I said, all of the weird voices that the kids make. Because <laughs> it creeps me out. It just doesn't seem natural. Like, let alone the dialect of the people or what have you. There's a lot of, like, groups of kids all, like, running and cheering to Indy, it seems like. Yeah. Yay! Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like those were not the actual... You know, on set extras or actors, or it wasn't their dialogue. It wasn't. It wouldn't be surprising. Yeah, I feel like that was like white kids. Well, half of these are white kids. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, my number nine would be uh, his name is Wuhan. He's like Indy's uh, his buddy at the Mm -hmm. beginning, the guy who gets shot. Mm -hmm. 
But like, get it. Pour one out for that guy. It's the kind no of more movie, adventures. It's the kind of movie where I actually have Wuhan a lot higher. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, you could maybe argue the argument that I was struggling here because mm-hmm. uh, number eight is just the animals. The Lots animals. of animals. I mean, it's it's realistic in that regard. Any in particular, like the elephants or the snakes? The elephant, I I like the elephant's fascination of Willie. Um, yeah, the fucking snake. I like the indie freaks out when he sees the snake. <laughs> That's a nice little bit of continuity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My number eight is just Spielberg's game, because clearly this whole movie <laughs> is him trying to get in Cape Capshaw's pants. Yeah. But, like, I feel like he's handicapped himself a bit there. <laughs> With the terrible script? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he still managed to make it work. Don't well, I think he, he he gets the move where he has to be like, okay, you know what? I won't make you do this scene. And she's then she's like grateful. I think that's uh, he basically says as much in like one of the interviews about how like she was like she she wouldn't have married him if like he had made her do this one scene. What was that scene? I can't remember. It was something awful. I just want to see the the indie movie about like Spielberg and Lucas in the eighties, like reeling from breakups and like hitting mm-hmm. the town again. Um, my number seven is Lao Shay. Okay. Like he's the perfect opening of the movie villain, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number seven is the shaman. Mm. Just, uh, I mean, props for, for delivering a performance when you don't speak the language. Yeah. I do wonder, like, is that that guy's normal look? <laughs> or they just like see that guy and be like, you, we need you in the movie. Or like, did they like come up with that? Uh, I, I yeah, know. I could just see them in like what are they films like Sri Lanka? Like mm-hmm. they're just like in the store, they see this guy walking around. <laughs> him. It's probably a him. wig, right? I mean, that's a crazy look. Yeah, who knows? Like Indian Bernie Sanders there. <laughs> uh, what are we on number six? Uh, Mola Ram. My oh, okay. Six. Um, if nothing else, he's got a great look to the point where I believe I read that the actor like just shaved his head from that point on to continuously play villains. <laughs> they were so impressed with him, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely fucking creepy. They get a lot of traction out of that shot. Uh, they do it twice with Willie and the first guy, whereas like, it's over the victim's shoulder mm-hmm. as Mola Ram approaches with his headdress on. Yeah. It's weird because it's the same shot twice. I-, I guess to really like add to the peril of Willie being almost burned alive in a moment. Even though he doesn't try to rip her heart out. No, no. Maybe that's what Spielberg was like. Eh, I'll let you slide on that one, okay. huh? Uh, my number six is Lausche. I mm. felt like uh, he deserves a high spot in this. I almost put him even higher. Mm. But uh, yeah, good villain. Turns the tables on Indy. He had that weird henchman of his. Well, and his his response laughter to mm-hmm. Indy's yeah. nice try, Lausche. <laughs> Well, that and also like laughing when he drinks the poison at the dinner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> in the I wouldn't trust the drink on the lazy Susan at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, my number five is Shatter Law, the Prime Minister, just because he's enchanted by Willie and is aware of Indiana Jones's fascinating past as an acclaimed archaeologist. Yeah, that guy didn't rank for me. Sorry, bro. Yeah. Uh, my number five is Willie Scott. That was as high as I could put her up in good conscience. Okay. Um, yeah, not a great character. I'm really curious where you put everyone else. Okay. Uh, my number four is Willie Scott. Okay. Interesting. My number four is the dude to get his, his heart ripped out. Oh, okay. I think that guy did a pretty solid job of portraying like pure terror. 
Yeah. Like repeating that same like prayer over and over again. And that's probably from from a little bit from your childhood too, though, right? I think you can go back to the core when you first saw that, how terrifying it was to you. Yeah, but I mean, I just think in general, like as a character, I think that guy is better than Willie Scott is what I'm saying. I like that you're really getting to the heart of like the actors and their process. Like you're Mm -hmm. really giving them props, like, you know, learning lines or doing lines phonetically, (laughs) portraying terror. Good for you. Uh, My number three is Wuhan. I would have liked to hear a bit more about his adventures of Indy. Yeah, R.I.P. I mean, I, I feel like we were only thing we were missing here was him just like tell my wife and twelve kids that I love them. What if short round is his son? Well, that's dark. <laughs> damn kid, aren't you going to ask about your dad? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess he does. He didn't make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, my number three is Molaram. Okay, huh. I think he's uh. He just he really starts to own it towards the end. He you know he just he takes takes that scenery and and just chomps on it. Uh, like it's chilled monkey brains. Yeah, you are in a position unsuitable to give orders. I love that line. Uh, yeah. Well, doesn't he talk about like negotiation at some point there too? That same exchange. Anyway, um, my number two is Indiana Jones. Okay. Well, I, I think I know who you have number one. My number two is short round. Um, I mean, uh, this guy, it's like Jonathan Kikwan, I think is his name. Mm. Two, like, classic young child performances and basically pieced out after that. He's in, like, a few TV shows, but then he eventually became a stunt coordinator. But, yeah, short round, I think, is just a, a classic character. It's possibly the best version of, like, the, the child sidekick ever, I think yeah. you could say. Because most of the time, the child psychic does not work, and you're just kind of, like, gritting your teeth. But, like, short round, there's never a moment when I'm like, ugh, this fucking kid. Like, he's just, like, totally perfect the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I think, he, obviously, he is a child thespian, and so obviously there are other issues. That, I mean, I think I read that they had to give a lot of his, his one-liners to, to Indy just because he couldn't deliver them, couldn't make them work. Hmm. Um, yeah, he's my number one. Um, I am constantly taken by the numbers of these things, where it's like, 6,000 kids auditioned and he got it. But I think that's probably the norm with child actors in movies. Mm-hmm. I hate to think of how many kids auditioned for Anakin and Phantom Menace. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's he works. We're still talking about this kid later. I mean, and it's good to get into Spielberg because then you, you get into something like Goonies. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he'll always have these two great movies. And I would still say, even if it's problems to me, nostalgia wise, Temple of Doom falls in my category of great movies. And I, I acknowledge that it's problematic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, my number one's indie. Um, I just feel like they're they're really asking a lot of Harrison Ford in this movie. Like, yeah. there's like you're really gonna need to like just dig deep and pull out all the charm you can to sell this because yeah. this movie's fucking dark. I'm not gonna lie, Harry, we're not doing you any favors here. Yeah, you get a weird transformation sequence surrounded by candles. You're evil for a while. It's everything Han Solo wouldn't do. Well, he, his character in general seems a little more of an asshole than in uh, Raiders. Where I mean, it's not like he's a great guy in Raiders, but like he seems a little more respectful in Raiders. I guess like he wouldn't be about fortune and glory. Yeah. Yeah, especially I mean, glory. I, like Indy never struck me as the type who'd be into glory. You know. It seems like he has some notoriety. Mm-hmm. As we hear from uh, Shadow Law. Yeah. Yeah. 
in that regard, it wasn't like I was hungry for the prequel to find how Indy curved his uh, fame-seeking ways yeah, really. in, in the Temple of Doom. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, but it's still it's Harrison Ford, mm-hmm. even when it's when it's bad, it's still interesting. Right, there's a reason this guy's like one of the all-time like great actors. Yeah, but I mean, also his his muse, Lawrence Kasdan, wasn't there for him. Mm-hmm. Lawrence Kasdan is like, I want nothing to do with that movie. Yeah. I think Lord Kasdan is probably like annoyed at the idea that anyone might think he had something to do with this movie. All right. Well, any final thoughts? Uh, it makes me. Some of this makes me want to go like absorb the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles again. But then I remembered that I always like fell asleep while watching it. Yeah, they were a little too educational, I guess you could say. I mean, for as a as a kid watching them, I more or less enjoyed them, but it definitely had the feeling of like how can we work in a history lesson to each episode. Right. I want to maybe at some point try to find the the one where Harrison Ford was in. That's not a good episode. Is it? It's totally okay. dumb. Okay. It's like suddenly Harrison Ford's like a jazz saxophonist. Like it's Ooh. yeah. I want to say it's like young indies, like like hanging out with uh, I can't remember the name of the the jazz musician, but like it's dumb. Hmm. Okay. It's it's like let's learn about jazz because did you guys know, you know like indie used to play sax? Yeah. That's where he learned some of his skills. The ladies, mm-hmm. smooth jazz. Oh, uh, okay. And I remember that show started with like the really old Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, like the ancient one. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess. I guess, you know, that gives you license to continue on of Harrison Ford doing these movies. Is it a precedent set? Um, he will live to be like a thousand years old or whatever. I just don't know what old Indiana Jones looks like. Like, I don't, that Indy 5, like, I, what the hell is the movie going to be? I'm baffled. Well, especially since he's now in, like, like, settled into, like, old age matrimony. Yeah, well, like, do they even mention Marion? Like... Yeah. Off screen, do they like? It turns out uh, Shia LaBeouf wasn't your kid. I don't know. I don't think even Marion wants him to be her kid. No, no one does. She's like, I'm not gonna lie to you. That night, Indy and I got really, really drunk. And anyways, this basket of a baby floated down the river. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, we'll be back to talk about Last Crusade, which. You know, it's been a while since I watched that movie. In my memory, it's a, it's a good movie. It's been a while, so I guess we'll see. I have a feeling that some of the set pieces alone will not let us down. Hopefully. Yeah. All right. Well, until then. Bye.